This is episode 202 with Arjun Dingra. You're tuned into Forever Athlete Radio, where together we go far. I'm your host, Corey Camp, and today I am joined by Arjun, two-time world champion in Taekwondo, Team USA head coach, real estate expert, and all-around great human. We discuss the ups and downs of his own career, how his mindset allowed him to let go of his past when things didn't exactly work out the way he thought they would, and how he's been able to pivot to a life in real estate after. This podcast is brought to you by BetterHelp, helping you simplify your therapist search in a way that makes getting you the help you need easy. Therapy isn't just for when you find yourself in a dark hole with nowhere to go. I've personally found it helpful to connect with a licensed professional on a frequent basis to proactively talk through the puzzles that I'm actively solving in my life. And thanks to BetterHelp, you as a listener of the show can try therapy today for 15% off your first month. Head on over to betterhelp.com slash foreverathlete. That's betterhelp.com slash foreverathlete today to learn more and connect with a therapist that understands you. Now back to the show. This is a great episode to help you get where your mind is right as we head into the new year here. So buckle up your seat and let's enjoy. Arjun, welcome, man. Like I said, pre-recording, you are the first martial arts background athlete that we are having on the show. And ironically, it's taken over 200 episodes to get there, but I'm grateful that we're here. How are you feeling right now, yeah, I, first and foremost? Everything I aside, it, man. Thank you, um, and it's an honor to be on here with you, man. I'm a fan of your work, and you know, and then getting to know you here in the early going. I love what you're all about, and I think your mission and your purpose is amazing, and definitely a a very uh, a very important one. But yeah, I'm feeling great, man. I mean, it's a it's like everyone says, even though it sounds silly, it's a great time to be alive. There's so much craziness going on in the world, but there's opportunity within that, and our guys, you know, to jump right into the martial arts side of it, because we're still on a high from it. We just got back from the world championships here in uh, late July, early August. And our, our men's team that competed in the team section won the overall gold medal, which is the first time it's ever happened for the U S. So we're just stoked about it, man. Like, I don't think, I don't think that high is going away anytime soon. So I'm really pumped about it. Yeah, that's big time. I'd be curious from your point of view and your experience, because you've been on both sides, right? Yeah. You've won individually, and now you have the team aspects to it uh, as a coach. What was – can you compare and contrast, or are they totally different experiences they're, altogether? They're, they're totally different, and I, uh, I've i thought actually about this just in my own private thoughts, like which one means more. And I think it's almost disingenuous to the opposite one if you crown one more important. Mm. They have very different roles, even though they're both victories and they were both – they came with immense work and strife and efforts and, you know, required a lot of resilience, even overcoming some pretty serious stuff personally. But no, I think on the individual side, and I told this to the athletes, whether you win or lose, to go through the process, you've got a blueprint in your mind or a neural pathway for the rest of your life to mm-hmm. you on charting out on a course to do something, transforming yourself in the process and ending regardless of the results because we all get so caught up in this results, you know, orientation or interpretation of things, but wherever it ends up, you now can look back and say, I'm a better person. I'm a different human being. I'm more evolved. I'm a better athlete who's more health conscious, whatever it is, you've changed your life. And you can do that to any other thing now, whether it's personal relationships, work, business, starting something, or the next physical endeavor you want to undertake. So for me, the two world championships that I won individually in 07 and in 14, have both given me that. I had a moment in between, which I call the Rocky Three moment. So Rocky Three is my favorite. Most everyone gets. Most everyone says Rocky Four because it was with the Russian. It was a cool 
It was the coolest movie. And there's no question it was definitely the better movie. But Rocky Three to this day, it's still, I mean, it sounds cheesy, but it still almost chokes me up because he lost, had to retool himself, put everything back together, new team, new support structure around him. He questioned his own ability. Like there were so many doubts. Like, was I ever really that good? And then he retooled himself and ended up back where he ultimately belonged. But it took even more work and it was so much harder. And I think those wins are so far more satisfying as human beings because we do it against odds. We, we kind of, we squash that voice in our head saying, ah, maybe you did get lucky. Because look, I'm not saying anybody can win anything once, but sometimes things just align well and that mm -hmm. often happens. And it, it takes away nothing from that moment or that achievement. But to do it again requires real staying power. And it, it means that you mattered and your formula and your your recipe was right and you and you could do this and you got staying power. So that I feel like everybody professionally, athletically should have a Rocky three moment in their life. Like winning gives you too much of a false sense of security if you never lose. Like you want to be with the guy who's maybe 58 and one. Mm. He, and hopefully he took that loss early in his career, you know, and because he learned from it. But the other side of the equation, to answer your question and bring it back on the coaching side, I would the coaching victory, especially considering what it what it meant and the significance of it of our guys getting that gold medal in the overall section, and it never happening before. We set it out as a goal. the The sense of fulfillment and reward from that, it's so hard to put into words, and it just makes me beam with pride for these guys, and I'm so happy because. No one can ever take it away from them. They're etched into history. The fact that I had the privilege and honor of being alongside them to help lead or play some small role in this throughout the course is a huge, huge gift for me. But it's just, you know, it's just something that like, it's not necessarily lessons or anything like on the individual side. Mm -hmm. It's just this amazing feeling that can never get taken away from you. Of like, we did it. We, we you know, we effing did it. Because it, it was LFG was our entire mantra for the the run up, you know, let like let's effing go, and uh, yeah, and now we're now everyone's saying we effing did it, you know, WFD. So yeah, I was about to say hopefully you guys made T-shirts on both sides there, uh, LFG beforehand and now <laughs> still, still WFG need, now. Thank you for that. Yeah, yeah, there you go, perfect uh, marketing opportunity there. For sure, uh, I lo I love that. I love your answer there because I I love the perspective. I can tell you've thought about it before of you can't there are different experiences and i love the how you worded it of you can't by like crowning one over the other you discredit the other and both had different meanings obviously at different points in your life like and i immediately thought of the tiger woods story as you're talking about this like rocky oh, three moment of like best. dude watching tiger like come back and win the masters was like this is this was the like greatest. the epitome. Like that was what made him the greatest. It's not one of the best the stories in sports that we'll ever witness. That win at Augusta and then, you know, him hugging his son and then them doing the flashback of hugging his dad when he won it the first time. Like it's just, it gives you goosebumps. It makes you emotional just watching. You don't even have to be a fan of sport. If you're just a fan of human beings yeah. and an indomitable spirit, that story will touch you on a level and impact you. Well, I was about to say, even in your own story, what I think, is so powerful about that and tiger and, and these other sports stories is they're humanizing because everyone can relate to that at some point we throughout our human experience we always will go through our life where some days we're on top of the world we feel really great and then something will happen and will tear us back down but 
you have these moments where you are able to rebuild, retool. Talk to me, because that was one of the things that stood out to me as I was doing some research on your background was the seven years between world championships. Yeah. What happened during that? And how yeah. did you have the, the mental capacity to say, all right, whatever happened, it doesn't define me. We're going to keep going versus yeah. I'm going to just pack it up and maybe it's it's time to to give yeah. this thing a rest and move on with my life. It was it was a it was a serious deliberation, one that just didn't kind of get resolved in one moment. It was like it was a process because I, when I won in 07, I was young, I was, you know, I was 28 and I got into continuing with it, you know, continuing with not necessarily competing, but training and still teaching and assistant coaching because that was my role, you know, with the team as an athlete, you were allowed to be an assistant coach as well. You just couldn't be a co-head coach because there's two for every country. So there's me and another co-head coach. But I got into coaching youth football when I got back. I remember and like kind of immersing myself in other things. And I had this currency, you know, like this wave of just optimism and excitement and euphoria from coming off a win. And I wanted to just spread that and everything else. So I did it in my business. I did it in my and then in coaching. And then the 2010 World Championships, which were going to be in Korea, and I'd always wanted to go to Korea, and Korea is the birthplace of Taekwondo, so it was a very significant one. But my sister was getting married that year, and I remember talking to my mom, who's been my biggest fan and everything with all my with all my athletic competitions. You know, I mean, she drove me to my first class, which I still remember, and she's been there for every major milestone. I remember talking with her, and she was not in favor of me doing it again giving it another run. She's like, look, you won. What do you have? What else do you have to prove? You know, you can't really dedicate the time. We've got this family wedding. Like there's a lot going on. And I was like, you know what? You're right. So I didn't do it. But there was a part of me that felt like, I kind of feel like I really did. So in 2012, I went out for the team again. Um, I earned my spot through the national process. I went and I lost in the first round to the eventual silver medalist. And it was, I mean, it took the wind out of me, you know, because I felt like I had prepared. I was very ready. I didn't, I didn't take anything for granted because a lot of times people come in resting on their, you know, riding the coattails of their previous win and resting on those laurels. And I, I trained like an underdog again, because I knew that's what it took the first time. Mm. And I didn't want to leave anything a chance. I'm, I'm, that's something that I'm very dedicated to in my process for preparation is breaking things down really granular and not even fixating on the end goal at all, but just taking it day by day and using each opportunity in the gym to get better, just a little bit. And as long as we do that, we'll be where we need to be. So I felt like I was there. So I wasn't disappointed in myself with the output, but the outcome and the result didn't sit with me. So I was consumed by it for two years. I didn't know if I would compete again, but I was consumed by it. I literally went to bed, I, I wanna say almost every single night, and it could have been every single night. And it was the last thing that was go would go through my mind before I'd fall asleep of my hand not being raised. And the judge was holding both of our arms and he raised the other guy's hand. And I'm good friends with the guy. He's from Argentina. He's an amazing athlete. And he's long retired now with his family. And he's one of the national coaches for their organization. But I felt like what I'd done was good enough to win. And uh, I didn't leave anything on the table. But I just wasn't resolved with it. And then I had this calling. And I think for people that are putting themselves back together, it can't just be about your ego being bruised and you wanting to settle a score. Don't get me wrong. That's a big part mm -hmm. of it because you're going to need that to fuel you, but you almost need a bigger purpose. And for me, the stars just really aligned. So they announced that the 2014 world championships would be in Rome, Italy. And I had been in Rome previously to that my senior year of college with my best friend. 
He was studying over there and I was, we were broke college students. We literally slept on trains and in hostels or just stayed up all night and didn't go to bed because we didn't have a place to stay. And we just lived out of bars and ate McDonald's every day and walked the city and burned off the calories. But we traveled all over Europe. It was the, probably one of the best times of my life. But we were at the Colosseum in Rome and we made this promise. Hey, man. And it was the time that Gladiator came out pretty close to it. So obviously, mm -hmm. like the Colosseum was everything. It still is everything for those who have seen the movie, one of the best. And we both made this promise. Like, you know what? We were taking it all in, just kind of sitting there looking at it and just in awe of it. And we said, we're going to come back one day when we have money, like when we're older, you know, maybe we're married and we got our families. We'll come back. We made this promise. Well, he passed away a few years later. He committed suicide. Um, and it was very tough. It's still thinking about it every day, you know, because he was my best friend. But when they announced these world championships be there, I literally had this voice in my head that said, meet me at the Coliseum. <clears throat> I got emotional even just saying it. Sorry, man. I said, meet me at the Coliseum. And I just thought, you know what? This is exactly where it's all going to come full circle. I felt it like in me, like burning. I was like, I'm going to make it right here. I've got my why. It's just aligning. Now, that can't happen for everybody, for every single thing, whenever we're trying to settle a score. Mm. But when the stars do align, you better run right at it because it's the universe shouting at you. It's no longer talking to you anymore. It's it's effing shouting at you. So I prepared relentlessly and it was burned into my mind that I was going to keep this promise to him. And if you go on my Instagram, it's way down there, but I'll share it in my stories again. Maybe so it kind of comes up to the top because it's from years ago. The first thing I did when I landed in Rome I took the picture that he and, that I had of he and I riding the train from Rimini to Rome the day that we got to Rome. And I took it in front of the Colosseum and I just wrote promise kept. Mm. And uh, we, I mean, the, the, it, I had the dream ending for an athlete. Everything just aligned. I ran the table. I beat the German national champion. who was a good friend in the final and it was done. And it just, I mean, it couldn't have been a better ending. I also, they made an exception for me that time. They let me be the co-head coach while competing. So that was my first major uh, stint as, as, as head coach also. So it was really stressful, but it was such a dream ending. And yeah, man, it was met with a lot of, you know, doubts. And I, I deliberated over what I was going to do. But when that event ha was announced and then this calling happened that I tied it back to something that was, still lingering there and in the back of my mind i just said you know what this all connects and something about this feels really right and that was it man it just it just it lined up beautifully i was gonna say it's it's like i don't want to say the storybook ending because obviously you would change a lot of that if you were writing a story book yeah. um but a beautiful way for things to come full circle for you to get closure but also make not just yourself right proud but your your best friend proud and yeah, your family proud in this process yes yeah. that's beautiful man what was it after 2014 then that you decided all right it's I'm, time like business you felt at that point content like business yeah. was done you i knew it on the flight over there i said win lose or draw we're done because okay i was satisfied with everything i was at such peace i was in a very good place mentally i was doing life coaching uh, I was talking to a therapist, which was more of a life coach because it wasn't a moment of crisis in my life. It's something mm -hmm. that I wanted to channel and really just talk to somebody about and share like what I'm doing and just making sure that I was doing it for the right reasons. And it wasn't rooted in ego, but it was rooted in true purpose and true drive and conviction, which it was. And I wanted to maintain the integrity of that. But I knew going over there that we were, it was done regardless. I said, no matter what. And I promised my mom, because 
she was, I remember her being really worried. Like, what if this doesn't work out? He's going to be mm-hmm. like, that. like a mom would worry about, you know, like even I yeah. had some friends are like, you know what? Don't beat yourself up if it doesn't work. Like they were almost prepping me for a disappointing outcome. Like I said, look guys, I'm good. No matter what happens, I'm at peace. I did everything. I didn't leave anything on the table. I'm ready. I'm not going to look back and say, I wish I'd prepared more. I wish I'd gotten up early that one day instead of sleeping. And like, I didn't leave anything to chance because I said, I can't let myself down, right? Like 80% of these things, and you know this as a former athlete, 80 to 90%, depending on the sports in your control, the other 10 or 20% is completely out there. It's in the ref's hands. It's in politics. It's in the weather. It's in, you might wake up sick, shit that you have no control over, but the 80% that you are in control over, you better max out at a full 80 and not leave one thing to chance. Otherwise you just won't live with yourself. So I knew going there, but then of course, once it was done, I mean, everyone knew my whole team and the guys I was coaching, they knew like, we're not going to have to deal with him in this capacity of him being there for us as a coach. And then he's also stressed out about his own stuff. Like everyone knew it was done, but it just worked out perfect, man. Yeah. You said something, two different things there. The first thing I want to kind of circle back on was this, you were working with a therapist at that time in like more of a life coach capacity is how you viewed it. Where did that come from? Because mental health, in 2014 isn't what it is today and still good use of improvement right but also i think one of the most common misconceptions is that therapy and a therapist is only for you if you are in that like rock bottom crisis mode and that once you're good you're good you don't need to go and speak to a licensed professional this ties back to a bruce lee quote what you're about to get into and what yeah i love that you brought this up because i'm a strong advocate for mental health Bruce Lee, who's the pine, he's like the Michael Jordan for all of us martial artists, and actually even more than that, he's more of the Bill Russell. He's the guy that broke down the barriers. Like Michael wouldn't have been Michael if it wasn't for guys like Bill Russell mm. and you know Wilt Chamberlain and people, the pioneers. So Bruce Lee was that for us. But he has this amazing quote that says, "Human beings are merely works in progress who continually assume their work is done, and the work is never done on ourselves." And this is a man who died in his early 30s, but had such profound impact. He lived a full life. The 31 or 32 years were so brief. And I don't know if you watched the ESPN documentary, The Like Water, during the pandemic. I'm going to have to go check that out after I this. recommend anyone watch it. It's, it's really powerful. But just the impact that this guy had on the world as a philosopher, as somebody who was just wise beyond his years. I mean, for I mean, I look back at what the things I was talking about at 30, 31, man, and I don't even know if we can make sense of it. You probably wouldn't have even allowed me on this show. <laughs> um, if he said that and I think I come from and I know this I'm sorry my mom is a marriage and family therapist so mm. we've always had open dialogue and like wanting to be vulnerable and even though we may not have been perfect at it the acceptance of vulnerability and the acceptance of feeling disappointed or let down it's okay it's okay to feel these things let's process it and figure it out and try and either get to the manifest and then and then make a make a, you know, either a correction or a healing or whatever it might be, instead of just disregarding. Because so often, you know, and we get this too, and I I used to fall prey to this also, you know, like from your coaches, like, oh, you got to be mentally tough, shake it off, shake it off. And look, sometimes we have to in the moment, especially when there's no time to deal with something, you do have to shake it off. You do have to toughen up. You do have to be mentally tough and try and man up or whatever. But that doesn't mean the thing that demon or that voice or that issue or that occurrence is resolved and human beings have to take time to do that. So my therapist that I call it that, and I'm still in touch with her to this day, we still talk not as frequent, but 
she told me, she's like, I'm a little shocked that you're coming to me at a point of non-crisis, but actually at like a high point in your life. And I said, it's honestly, it's simple. I don't want to lose this feeling. Mm. I like the, the road I'm on now. I know how it happens for most people. They go up, they reach something, and then it's like a very sharp drop off or they get lost up there or there's no fulfillment attached to it. And I don't want there to ever be a lack of meaning attached to anything I'm doing, especially this and whatever is going to come after it. So that's why I pursued it. But I think it's the, for entrepreneurs, for athletes, for coaches, like, like we, you, you know, this, you're a coach. Coaches need coaches. Mm-hmm. And I think all human beings need other human beings. And the people that are qualified to be in that role are therapists or real life coaches, not the people that just have an Instagram page saying they're a life coach. And no disrespect to the 1 million of you that are out there who are newly, newly <laughs> anointed life coaches. I'm sure you might have a good career, but I'm talking about people that have a track record of moving the needle and affecting change in people's lives. Mm. And uh, so I just think, and I, I'm, you know, I'm curious to get your thoughts too, man, if you agree, like, I just think it's paramount. It needs to be part of your training. It's part of the regimen. And it's not anything that any sort of shame or stigma should be attached to. It's actually part of your growth and development. Quick one for you. As someone who's moved around seven times in the last five years, I know how hard it is to find new experiences and more importantly, friends, each place that life continues to take me. That's why we've created the Forever Athlete Social Club, a membership platform with curated experiences that help you grow closer to yourself and those around you. As a member of the Social Club, you'll receive a weekly experience to go and try in your community, as well as meet up events and opportunities to introduce you to like-minded individuals. Now, this isn't your cheesy alumni group filled with awkward conversation and overwhelming self-promotion from that one dude from high school that's just trying to help you get passive income in your life. No, the Social Club is a vetted, safe space for you to be your authentic self and grow with a like-minded community all over the world. Come join the free platform over at foreverathletesocialclub.com and start making teammates for life today. Absolutely. 2020 was a, a huge year for the life coaching space. It's all a very large influx of people that suddenly became life coaches, right? Yeah. Um, which is, is wild. I mean, you brought up a good point. I was having this conversation with a friend of mine earlier today over coffee, and she was actually asking me the difference between coaching and therapy. And I said, you know, one of the things that I've seen to be true in my experience of three years now in the coaching space was the clients that I coach that also go and have a therapist or a psychiatrist that they go and see, they have by far like the most progress and the most like to show for it. Mm -hmm. And I think it's just a, it's should be looked at as just another tool in your, in your toolkit type mm-hmm. deal and to your point of earlier of controlling everything that you can control and within your wheelhouse it baffles me that for so long it was the norm in sports and in life in general that you know this piece of real estate in between our ears we just didn't think anything of it to proactively take care of it yeah. whereas like we'll go to the gym we'll like lift the weights we'll go work out we'll go run we'll go walk whatever very, very few and far between, I would say, or not until recently, we started seeing the importance of focusing on the brain and the yeah. importance of it. And it's wild to me because it's the piece that we always have with us. It is our perspective driver. It determines the lens and the filter of which we see 
the experiences that are going on around us. So why wouldn't we put some intentionality there? It doesn't have to be 20 minutes, an hour or whatever it may be. It could just be something five minutes or going to see a therapist once every two weeks or whatever it may be. But still, just like any muscle, you have to stay keeping it activated. And early on in points of crisis, you might have to put more time towards it for sure for it to start to see some gains, right? But if you don't continue to maintain that, it will also go back (laughs) to default. Just like if you got in shape and then you stopped working out for a year, you'd probably end up back where you were before you got in shape. Yeah, Uh, beautifully put, man. One of the things I I wanted to to ask you that also came up when you were kind of comparing 2007 and then 2010, right? Or sorry, 2012 was when you were in South Korea and then moving to 2014. You had mentioned that going into 2012 in South Korea, you were focused so much on your output and not on the outcome. And then very much the same in 2014, yet different result. How did you, because I love that as a core just, lesson for people as a whole is focusing on output versus outcome mm-hmm. and worrying more about you can only really worry about your output the right. outcomes will take care of itself if you truly buy into that but what was the difference for you between those two years that it sounds like you were way, able to really really buy into the output in 2014 versus 2012 or is there just some like chance there that at the end of the day yeah, you can't control what the other competitors in the the tournament do. Right. Well, I think, you know, I was saying, you know, in terms of preparation, you, the 80% we have control over that. Mm. Don't want to leave any stone unturned. You know, I tell the athletes now, even when you're on the flight going over there, you want to be reflecting back on the journey of, you know, getting to this point and feeling very at peace that you did everything that you could that was within your control, given the constraints of your life, you did everything you could and there weren't any excuses. And the rest is going to be kind of up to the universe and that other 20% that we really can't control. The approach to both was the same. But despite that control that we have, the intensity at which we attra- like attack it with, we can always take up another notch, right? Like we always have a little bit more output. We can dig deep into that tank and take it up one more year, half a year. So the only difference between 12 and 14, two differences. One was the, the greater renewed focus on the mental side of the game with the life coach and he's my business coach still, I've been with him 12 years. We focused intensely on visualization and these tunnel exercises of envisioning myself in the future and seeing this guy, who I am at the end of the process and then working backwards and reflecting on what things that I do to get there. And it was really powerful. Combining that with therapy to dig deep and learn about the wiring because the coaching, like the, the contrast that you said, coaching and therapy, some people could mix the two up. Coaching is so much on the exterior. It's do this and you get this. If you physically do these things or you make this many calls or you do this, we know because it's science and it's, you know, these are outlier numbers, but we know that it works. You will have, you know, a certain presumable result. Uh, so the chances are high, but therapy gets to the root of how we're all wired, right? Like our childhood and our formative years and past things that maybe we never even put much significance on. You're, a coach can't really address that. That's why the greatest coaches are in the world the ones in the world are the ones that can somehow fuse these two together mm. and kind of be in the middle because they can really affect people and move them 
and, you know, like Coach K's, you know, and uh, maybe even uh, the Phil Jackson's of the world. And I don't know Bill Belichick because he doesn't seem like a friendly guy. I can't imagine talking life with the guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? But yeah, I think the difference between 2012 and 2014, aside from the mental and coaching aspect, which was huge, was just taking like a little bit more output. Like I can do this a little bit hard. Right? Like I'm single. I'm not married. I've got the time. You know, I was in a good place in my career to where I was fortunate enough to be able to take the time I needed to to travel a little bit more, to train with key guys and invest more in myself and focus on that. And I did. And the other thing was, and this kind of comes back to mental, I was journaling a lot. I was checking in with myself. Even if I couldn't talk to anyone, I talked to myself. So I did a lot of constant reflection, reflection work. And I think these kinds of things help. So that was probably the only difference between the two. I mean, I, I shouldn't say only because it's a lot of stuff. Yeah. It was those few things. I was about to say, it's usually simple things that have a profound impact. Yeah. There, um, is what I'm picking up on. And yeah, I mean, the, I think the last point that I have around that coaching and the, and the therapy difference is what's always fascinating me. You kind of hit on it. Therapy I've always viewed as from this moment prior, and it looks really at the past and to understand what's going on in the now. Yes. And then coaching is really geared on like, well, we can, we need to maybe get some information from the past, but it's very much more now forward focused. So mm -hmm. like, what are you doing right now to w then walk down that tunnel to see who you're becoming in the end of the tunnel, whatever that is, whether it's visualizing winning a world championship, it's visualizing business success, it's visualizing you into that next step. Uh, I always laugh at visualizing because I've, I've told the story on here many times where I, as a swimmer myself visualization was first introduced to me in high school and I just thought of it as like this it was great my coach was giving me 20 minutes of nap time at the end of practice and it was fantastic and it wasn't until later years that I was like oh there's actually some power to this thing um, how do you now in your position as a head coach create buy-in with your athletes around the mental side of performance or is it just second nature to them or a lot of them still hesitant to be like oh i don't know yeah. this thing works it's a little woo woo a little spiritual yeah. you're out in california <laughs> you know say that, woo -woo, yeah they tell me yeah you may be spending too much time in san francisco man like it's rubbing <laughs> off on me. no i think it's i mean it's always there's always a little bit of a buy-in curve you'll have some people either because of their backgrounds or maybe previous exposure experience with it or just their own fascination of seeing it work for other people or seeing this buy-in from other people. And then they've been curious. Those people tend to kind of respond to it almost immediately. There's a connection there when I talk about it, but we introduce it, me and the other co coach, like pretty much from day one, like the moment the team's selected, we get right into visualization of where do you see yourself ending up? What kind of a transformed person are you? What do you look like? What kind of shape are you in? Like really picture this person and now we're going to run backwards and that person's going to run right into you to where you guys like fuse together and you're going to go back through the tunnel because it's already written now you got your formula right like you've already seen what it's going to look like now let's make it happen by breaking things down each day so talking to them not just about mental training but actually tangibly connecting it like through exercises like that i think is where you get buying because we can talk about it i mean we're all like you said to your point we're all hearing about it and look man there is a mental health crisis in this country like no other and it's a serious, serious crisis. People talk about other existential crises. Some of them are a little bit hyped and there's a lot of hysteria around them. This one, there's no hysteria around, right? Like 
people need other people. People need to check in. There's a lot of like, a lot of us wandering around out there feeling really alone and not having any tools. And we've, you know, we're ridden with shame and guilt and all kinds of stuff. So this is something that has to be dealt with. But I think the fact that it's that, that environment is out there, that's in the atmosphere, the buy-in to it is not as hard as some may think. Yes, there will be some people like, I don't quite know about that. But if we, if we present it in a way as coaches and as former athletes and other coaches in a way that's, you know, vulnerable and us ourselves, like opening up, you know, mm. I'm not beneath any of this stuff, any of this work. This is stuff I have to do. Lead by example yourself. You'll find the buy-in from the people that you're trying to impact or influence or, you know, or persuade or lead. It's very easy. It's not even buying at that point because they're so bought into you that whatever you're doing, they want to do it too. But if we're not doing it, if we're not leading from the top as coaches or people, heads of organizations, then how can you, it's like, it's like signing up to work out with a trainer who's not in shape. He's just telling you, let's go load up some weight over here and do this. Go ahead and hit those stairs real quick. I'm over here having my, you know, yep. my diet Coke, even though it's six in the morning. Uh, yeah, like that's, it's just not, it doesn't work. I was about to say, I've had, had coaches like that in oh, yeah. my <laughs> career where I, I always laugh, like, you know, 90% of the time I was yeah, I'll do whatever you tell me. But for whatever, there would be that 10%. If I was in a bad mood and they like told me to do something hard, I'd just be like, I would love to see you do this right now. Like, there's <laughs> there's just no way, right? Totally, totally, yep. <laughs> so it sounds, what, what I love, you said it earlier, that coaches still need coaches. And it sounds like for you, even with previous success, the mm -hmm. championships, finding yourself in this role and everything that has come with it, it sounds like you've never lost sight of the fact that you still are coachable. How have you, how have you learned to keep that ego in check and never get to a point where it's like, all right, cool. I did it all. I don't need anyone else yeah. at this point. Like, how are you still remaining coachable? I'm curious. I think it's remaining just thirsty for life. Like we just, you know, it comes back to that Bruce Lee quote about, you know, our work is never done. We sometimes or periodically will mistake that our work is done or foolishly land on that assumption, but it's never done. So I constantly remind myself of that. And then in that beautiful speech that Matthew McConaughey gave when he won his Oscar, you know, that the guy he's chasing is him 10 years from now. He's never done. He's never going to catch his hero. That's his hero. Like he's trying to chase that guy. There's something in that, that, I think, you know, and it's worth rewatching all the time on YouTube. I watch it all the time, like maybe once a month. I just sometimes if I want that kick of inspiration, I'll see it because it's a reminder that we all got to continue chasing something. So it's remaining thirsty and eager and hungry to get better and to continue to evolve because I'm clear on my purpose. You know, my purpose as a son, as a brother to my two siblings, as a father, as a husband, as a coach to my athletes who I view in the same capacity, you know, like in that same circle. And then my clients, like, I owe it to them to get better. I've got pride in myself that I want to always be better. So my work's never done. And therefore I need to keep my ego in check and recognize there's always more to learn. There's always somebody who can affect me. Even the guy that I least expect could have an impact on me. I need mm -hmm. to be open to that and, you know, show people the respect, but unfairly, I can say this. And those who do martial arts that are in your audience that listen to this, they know it. the traditional martial arts, the, you know, original, the original ones, uh, that come from the Far East and, you know, have scaled back, you know, close to 100 years. There's this sense of humility that is kind of in, in, is kind of rooted in the culture of it anyways, to where you have to keep, you don't have a choice, but to keep that ego in check, you know, and if you don't, you're reminded sometimes in very physical ways that it has to be put in check. Yeah, uh, but it'll come down on you pretty hard. So 
I don't know if that's ingrained in me a bit or if it's just this thirst for wanting to get better. But, you know, anytime I can share that with people and just tell them, like, just remain thirsty that way and just keep your ego in check because your work is never done. I was about to say, that's one of those lessons I feel like I picked up on watching Cobra Kai and Karate Kid over the years, <laughs> right? You know, yeah. you get the the Johnny Lawrence's of the world where it's like, no, he's going to be put in his place the moment his ego gets gets too big and it doesn't yeah. it's not reserved like there anyone will do it uh for him in that process but i think that's beautifully said of just continually to become a student and realize that i love that just outlook because yeah you can learn something from anyone you give someone enough time of your day i'm sure you'll learn something from that individual which is a beautiful way to to live life what are you currently focused on on learning right now? Is there any one thing in particular or are you just open to whatever? No, I'm, I'm a little more open to whatever, especially coming off that high we just had, you know, which was only a few months ago. So I'm using that currency. And I told the guys, like, don't squander this, guys. Like, you've got this, like, magic in you right now, this kind of feeling and this great energy that you can do anything because you literally did just do anything. I mean, you, you beat the odds and you did the impossible and you made history, like, don't squander that currency. Go after something now in your life, whether it's because a lot of these guys are younger. Some of them are contemplating going and getting a graduate degree. So if that's what you want to do, do it. You know, some are starting a business or like taking a big risk and moving to a new city to start a career, potential career. I said, don't, don't waste any of that now. Just do it. And I'm much in the same way. I've taken some big risks and kind of bet on myself here professionally with what I'm doing as a content creator and a mortgage advisor and putting on like a really big event. Mm -hmm. uh with ryan surhans the former star of million dollar listing it's coming up in three weeks so nice. i set up something big and ambitious to chase after and, and to put together and we're literally you know squat like uh just squirming every every few minutes here to try and do some last detail to make this thing happen but it's all going to come together in the next couple of weeks so i'm that's what i'm doing you know to kind of stay hungry and motivated i just set the next challenge out there in front of me because too often athletes have this big letdown and coaches can have this letdown, right? Like mm -hmm. Tony Robbins talked about this briefly. And I think you know, we can maybe I can maybe wrap with this is that he talked about, you know, what happened to a lot of those astronauts and people that were on the original Apollo missions? Like, what do you think happened to them in their lives when they came back? And the surprising answer was that so many of them committed suicide, were depressed, ended up as alcoholics, drug addicts. Why? Because they'd hit the highest of highs and then they came back mm -hmm. and they're like, now what? And I think so many athletes i've even seen this sadly in our sport i'm sure you've seen it as a swimmer or even the athletes that you coach or people that you're in touch with even olympians we we look at olympians and think their life is made they must make a bunch of money i mean for most olympians they're just they're fundraising to get their butts there and barely getting their plane ticket or the olympic committee or the organization that's helping get them there can barely put it together but when they come back they're back to work many of them work regular jobs or they're looking to try and figure out what's next for them in their career so the advice I always have for people in this space is make sure that you always remain dynamic. Don't be one dimensional. The more dynamic you are, the more valuable you are at your company, the more valuable you are to the world. And somebody will see that. If you're a one trick pony and you could be the greatest one trick pony, don't get me wrong. You'd be the greatest at that one thing. But when that one thing is kind of run its course or the shelf life on it's expired and it's, you get to this now what moment that now what moment can be pretty catastrophic and sink you to a low that you didn't even know and it, and it can be very dark and it may not even be anything you can get out of so for people i was telling like have other things going in your life or other pursuits be thinking i, I know you got to be focused on the task at hand but 
I'd like for there to be other interests in your life and other things that you know you're going to pursue. Maybe they're maybe they're just life they're life milestones. Like you want to have a family, you know, or you want to or you want to get married one day, you know, or you want to make you want to date, you know, you're tired of being sick. Whatever it is, just have some other things going because you're going to need to channel the aftermath of the experience, no matter how it ends and what whatever it is that you're focused on, and put that energy elsewhere to where you just keep doing this. And if you do that, you'll parlay things and attain all kinds of success and growth in your life it'll never stop yeah yeah i was about to say it gets you off of the term hedonic treadmill of like constantly setting that goal running towards it and then it's that huge letdown and yeah you know post-olympic blues is real it really is and it's way to gold is a fantastic documentary uh that i'll rewatch every now and then especially i mean that's what motivates me is like I'll, i'll watch those sort of films and I'd be like yeah there really is a problem here to address and one of the first episodes of this show we had a American record holder swimmer come on and he was telling stories of how he would have to go to his parents to get them to basically give him a loan to then pay for him to then go on the world um, circuit to go swim over in Europe to hopefully win or like place top three in his events to make enough money to then pay his parents back. And then at the end of the day, he pockets like two grand out of that maybe. And that's like a month. And then he gets to, has to try to go and do that again. And it's like, man, it's a, it's a brutally honest sport where, and it's so many, so many sports are like that. Right. And not that money solves all the issues. Definitely. There's plenty of NFL guys and NBA, NHL that also deal with a lot of these issues. It's kind of the common denominator, right? Mental health is not exclusive to just people that don't have finances in line. Uh, But I love how you brought up the diversifying, uh, really diversifying your life in a way that allows you to embrace multiple senses of who you are and where you find that fulfillment. Because, yeah, you're not then gambling on just that one thing. And the moment that one thing, the well runs dry one day and you're like, crap, what do I do? What are you you doing right now in your life to diversify and to make sure it's not just one thing, so to speak? Just staying, you know, setting out new challenges professionally of where I want to be and then running towards them, you know, like, so Mm -hmm. like I said, got a huge event we're doing in just a couple of weeks. There's obviously going to be a lot of work post the event in terms of what's next. And I'm already starting to plan that out now to keep very busy with it. I'm doing a lot of recruiting nationally for the organization and for people to join my team. Uh, and, you know, that want to take a holistic approach to this profession instead of making it so transactional because that's my biggest gripe with it. Mm. And then, you know, back to our athletes, like, cause I've got that other hat that I wear, of course, even though we're in a little bit of a down cycle now because everyone's on break after coming back. But, you know, we get back to work in a couple months and it's now we're looking to the next group or, you know, which veterans are going to come back. So the work's just not done. But I think between all these aspects, you know, professionally and within my own family and my role as a dad and husband, and then also with the athletes, there's always something else to look forward to. So, and I've kind of set these things up to be that way. They never end and then just end. And then there's nothing, there's always going to be something afterwards. So you can kind of do that and you can create those pathways in your life to where the roads just kind of keep running. Mm. Even though you're going to get off the road at some point for some event or some milestone, which is important to do, but then you get back on the road because now you got it. There's another destination. 
you you'll have a pretty full life i think you know professionally or spiritually or you know just individually or all three (laughs) right that's that's the way to do it oh arjun man i i just want to acknowledge you and in the way that you're showing up the way that i've really enjoyed this conversation that we've had here today um keep doing what you're doing you're coaching differently you're showing up in your profession differently and it's really refreshing to see i, I want to acknowledge you first and foremost for that i want to end with yeah of course we got the fast five which are rapid fire one sentence one word answers yeah. just quick layups compared to what we just asked you and, and <laughs> yeah. talked about the first one is what podcast are you listening to right now that you're really enjoying uh tim ferris's Mm. podcast yep i love it and because tim is a very big mental health advocate so i love a lot of the guests and the content that he has yeah yeah i all one of my all-time episodes favorites of his he had michael phelps yes grant hackett come on yeah and it was uh as a swimmer that was like a dream come true conversation number two uh what's your go-to book i see a whole stack of them behind you as well go-to book that you've read in the past year the Alchemist. I read it once a year. Great choice. I got my copy back there as well. Uh, number three, what is something that you can't live without? My daughter, for sure. Yeah. Good choice. Good choice. Number four, if what is a quote that you live by? That uh, all that is not given is lost. So as human beings, we just have to keep giving because if you don't give, that thing or energy is lost. And for it to be lost is a tragedy beautifully said number five if you could sum up your focus right now just one word what's that word it's serving that's what really all i'm about whether it's my athletes my clients or the new circles of communities that i'm reaching through my events and things that i'm doing mm. it's just 100 serving i'm doing it with no expectation i'm not selling anything i just want to serve and help as many people as i can and reach as many people as i can and let the magic kind of unfold from there Output, baby. Just keep focusing on that output. Where can right. those listening in find more of what you're doing, what you're putting out in the world, whether that be as a creator, as a businessman? And yeah, everything. no, definitely on Instagram uh, because I combine part of my personal brand is combining my coaching role as an advisor as well. So the, the two are the same hats. They're just different languages I speak, mm. but the lessons are the same. So find me on Instagram. It's just at Arjun Mortgage. That's my handle. But pretty much everything in life, including my family and my daughter who arrive, lands in most of my content just because she's very cute uh, and it helps, uh, it helps the scoring of engagement. Yeah, uh, that's where you can find me, man. So I love to connect with people and share other stories and, and learn from others. So please reach out to me there. Beautiful. Appreciate you tuning in today. Remember to share this episode with someone you care about because together we go far. And until next time, flow on, my friends.